got blood. We've got Destroyers, so you know what that means. Welcome to another exciting episode of Blood and Destroyers, an all-elite wrestling podcast brought to you by RPGera.com. I, of course, am your host, Brian, and joining me on the show today, he is the co-host of The Fans Are Way Too Noisy. It is Sev. Hey, Brian. How's it going? Uh, as I alluded, hey! As I alluded to last week, <laughs> I'm not doing no memes no more. That's why I didn't do one for you. I didn't do one today. I didn't do it. It's nice, it's nice. Um, but in Sev, in, instead, I'm going to do Sev Stables. In Sev? Yeah. In Sev? Is that, is that what we're going to start saying instead? <laughs> no, nothing in Sev. Um, Sev Stables. <laughs> so this week, my stable is Sunny Kiss, Mia Yim, Bear Bronson, and Austin Gunn. And they're called Kiss Me A Bear Ass. <laughs> <laughs> you, didn't make a, you didn't make a graphic for this one, though, huh? I didn't know, no. That might be uh, way above my pay grade. Way above the pay grade. All right. So get look forward to, to Sev's stables at the beginning of each episode for the time being until you run out of ideas for that, I'm sure. Yeah, it'll only be a few weeks. <laughs> 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 Special shout out to Akam's Laser for the excellent intro theme to the podcast. Go check him out wherever you can find music and people, including YouTube, Spotify, SoundCloud, Bandcamp, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You won't be disappointed. Please take a moment and do us a favor. If you'd be so kind, head on over to Apple Podcasts or whichever app you've chosen to listen to us on and drop us a quick rating and a review. It really does help out in terms of visibility so that this show continues to grow. And remember, we are on Patreon now as well. Patreon.com forward slash RPG era. Check out our tiers, see what we're doing. And if you feel inclined, toss us a couple bucks each month. If not, continuing to listen to the episodes as they upload each week works wonders as well. And of course, special shout out to current executive producers, Jexax and Zanku. Sev, we got a little bit of an update to the Jeff Hardy story that we talked about last week on the show. When you and I recorded last week, it was still breaking news that it just happened a few hours prior. It, it has come out recently because so, there were so many reports that said 1230 a.m. and there were so many reports that said 1230 p.m. Uh, it was 1230 p.m. It was the middle of the afternoon because videos have been released, right? Dash cam videos. There's been a ton of videos. There was videos of him doing his field sobriety test. There was videos of him drinking whiskey like the night prior at an acoustic show that he that he sang at uh, a, a lot of fucking videos have surfaced over the last seven days on this Jeff Hardy situation but just a quick update AEW did put out a statement that I think is worth going over here so let's let's kind of go over this here it says we were able to resume contact with Jeff Hardy this afternoon AEW does not condone Jeff's alleged behavior. We've made it clear to Jeff that we'll assist him in getting treatment for substance abuse issues, which he has indicated that he's open to receiving. In the interim, he is suspended without pay, and he can only return to AEW upon successfully completing treatment and maintaining his sobriety. And then it says, if you or your loved one needs help, please reach out to Sam Shah's... Sam Shah? I'm, I'm sure that stands for something. I just don't know what it stands for. The S-A-M-H-S-A's National Hotline at 1-800-662-HELP. And that goes to anybody, right? If you need help, yeah. reach out Reach out to that hotline. But, you know, I, I think this is probably the the right call. I mean, there's only one way that Jeff's going to get better, and that is by going through treatment and maintaining that sobriety. So, like, that, that is the conditions that he's able to return by. Like, it's not just complete the treatment program or whatever, and then you're back. No, they're going to make him wait probably, I don't know how long, a couple months maybe? I'm not sure. But they're going to make him wait after he finishes that treatment program to see if he is able to maintain his sobriety on his own. And... 
a lot of times that's, you know, that's what an addict needs. That's what somebody that's struggling needs is they need to know that people are behind them. Right. And that they're just not theoretically on their own, but you have to do this on your own. Nobody can force you to be sober. Yeah, he has to want it. He has to want this. And if he doesn't want this, then he's not going to get back to where he should be. Uh, but yes, it's definitely the right call from TK and the AEW crew. Like, we shouldn't be allowing that behavior. And then we shouldn't be allowing him to wrestle if he's not in any fit condition mentally or physically. Yeah, so we will likely not see Jeff for quite some time. But that's okay. Uh, just get better. You know, kick the demons get better that's all that matters in the end so um we do have some unfortunate things to talk about here the beginning of the show sev and that is the ongoing allegations surrounding the misconduct investigation of vince mcmahon what do you think about this this is um i would say it's not shocking is it like he's a man absolute power it's not shocking at all absolute power corrupts absolutely um absolutely but yeah, I didn't think it'd be to this degree. Um, it, the allegations aren't very nice. Um, no, so the allegations stem around a former, is it was it a legal advisor or something to that sort that um, somebody that worked in, in the offices of, of WWE headquarters and supposedly she was making about $100,000 a year, had a, an affair with Vince McMahon, got bumped up to $200,000 a year and was passed off to Johnny Ace, John Laurinaitis, head of talent relations. And more has come out that, like, I guess Johnny Ace has had quite a few, if you want to call them affairs, backstage with people that work at uh, WWE headquarters. Um, This has been a pretty crazy ride to follow. Vince McMahon did step down as the CEO of WWE, and Stephanie McMahon is back as CEO, taking her father's position after just announcing a, a leave of absence, mm-hmm. like, what, two weeks ago? Three weeks ago, maybe? Maybe if, if it definitely wasn't longer than three weeks ago. But um, this has just been a wild ride. And if this does not spell the end of Vince McMahon, then literally nothing else is going to. Like he's still he's still maintaining creative control, right? Like him stepping down as CEO is just a fucking uh, smoke and mirror cover screen. Like it's all it is. He's still maintaining power of creative in WWE. Steph's just there to be there, and and that's unfortunate because she probably should just have that job anyway. Um, you know, it's it's crazy. It is, and uh, he came out on SmackDown, and we were all anticipating what he was going to say, and he just he literally was, said nothing. He just fed us then, now, forever, and most importantly, together. And then he threw the mic and walked off, and it was and the crowd. Welcome was to SmackDown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like what? They should have fucking booed the shit out of him. I was disappointed in that crowd. Yeah, yeah. I don't think they were any of the wiser, were they? Or they didn't care at all. Um, Casual fans tend not to know. Yeah. It, it was absolutely shocking. He looked like he felt like he was on top of the world, like no one could touch him. And that's really not the opinion you want to give when you've got allegations against you, is it? So. And you know, Nick Khan, man, Nick Khan has no, and he's the one like, because it's the, it's the board of directors heading up this investigation for now. Nick Khan sitting at the top of that board of directors. There's been plenty of memes and graphics posted like of the Mortal Kombat ladder and him just taking out one McMahon after another. You know, for a fact, he doesn't have any loyalty to Vince. Yeah, yeah. He can can go for the throne, can't he, so to speak. So why wouldn't he? I like that graphic that you shared. Was it you that it was like the name on the contract oh, does yeah. say Khan, but it doesn't say Nick Khan? Classic <laughs> to the uh, yeah, the WCW. Says takeover. Tony Khan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, match 
situation. That'd be crazy. That'd be fucking nuts, man. But yeah, this whole story has been has been sad. Like throughout this story, we found out that like him and Linda are technically still married, but they haven't been together for several years now, right? Like right. that that marriage has sort of fallen apart. And do I do I or should I not do I? But am I shocked by that? Not 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 at all. I'm not fucking shocked by that at all. But I don't know how he can survive this, dude. Like using somebody for sex, which is basically what happened here. Giving them a pay raise because of said sex and then paying millions in hush money to stay quiet about it. That's that's not good. <laughs> that's not good. No, not good at all. So, and again, not the first time that hush money has been paid because it's starting to all come out through this investigation. Yeah, it's crazy. So, if he's able to survive this, he truly is untouchable and nothing will bring him down. Well, this history has shown us every empire crumbles at some point. It's just whether we're going to see it. Whether I know. Now. Whether it's then, now, or, or forever. forever. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. <laughs> All right, Sev. Well, let's, uh, we got a pretty exciting show to get to here today. At the end, we will be making some predictions for this coming up weekend's AEW Cross New Japan Pro Wrestling Forbidden Door pay-per-view event. That'll be happening uh, Sunday, June 26 at 8 p.m. Eastern. We only know six matches so far, so I have to assume anywhere from three to four additional matches will get booked over the next seven days. So we likely aren't going to have predictions for everything. We are going to make eight predictions because I think two matches are not givens, but very likely to happen based on what's been going on. So we will make predictions on those just in case it does happen. But before we get to all that, we do need to recap the last week of content that AEW put out. So let's start by going back to last Monday, June 13th for AEW Dark Elevation. This was taped at the Cable Dahmer Arena in Independence, Missouri. We had one, two, three, four, five. I found a new website to use instead of the SmackDown Hotel, so maybe this one won't be wrong. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven matches. Nyla Rose defeated Max the Impaler in about a minute. Oh, and it even has timestamps. Oh, my God. This website's way better. In a minute and 55 seconds. I love this website. Okay, (laughs) now I don't have to research for hooks for the, uh, not hooks, but the, the quick time events. Yeah. Private Party defeated Pharrell Jackson and SK Bishop. Ortiz defeated Anaya. Mercedes Martinez and Serena Deeb defeated Miranda Gordy and Tootie Lynn. Angelo Parker and Matt Menard defeated Danny Adams and Warhorse. It was nice to see Warhorse back on uh, Elevation. Ruby Soho defeated Heidi Howitzer. And in the main event, Evil Uno and Ten defeated Aaron Solo and QT Marshall. What's the timestamp, Brian? Eight minutes and 13 seconds. That's a failed QTE. A failed QTE, baby. <laughs> oh, and uh, the factory back where they belong on the bottom of, of the uh, matches, you know, losing instead of winning like they did last week on, well, on Elevation. We'll see. Well, it's the big show. I thought that's what you were getting into. But no, you're right. Because as we move on to dark, oh, we've got some victories to talk about for the old factory, don't we? (laughs) Yep. Dark on June 14th. This was last Tuesday. This was taped from the Toyota Arena in Ontario, California. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight matches to go over here. Hit that button. It's time for another quick time event, except this time... QT Marshall defeated Alan Angels. QT won. He beat the QTE. He did. He's he's master of his own game. Like, I'm going to have to bring him up from the fucking burial ground if he keeps winning. And I don't want to do that. Master of his own game. <laughs> you know, he's he's only, he's only he's grinding the low-level mobs. He's going to be putting a title picture soon, I'm sure. Gosh, what title picture? 
TBS. The All Atlantic, the All Atlantic title picture. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but that was in three minutes and forty two seconds. So he beat the QTE and he beat it in time as well. Yeah, shocking, shocking, Sh- shocking. I know. Uh, Bobby Fish defeated Brock Anderson. Angelo Parker, Matt Menard, and Daniel Garcia defeated Jack Banning, Ray Rosas, and Sin Bodie. Which can you believe that we saw Sin Bodie on fucking Dark, dude? See, I'm not. I've I've seen the graphic of him before, but I'm not sure where he's from. Okay, so Sin Bodie played Kizarni in WWE way back in the day. Oh, if you okay, remember Kizarni, yeah. and he also owns or used to own, may not still own, but there was a promotion out of Las Vegas called the Future Stars of Wrestling that he actually owned. Okay, that's interesting. Uh, that I used to work right next door to where they would have their shows every week, every Friday night or every Saturday night. I, I was working at the Leslie's Pool Supplies next door on Boulder Highway as a store manager back then. Or not store manager, assistant store manager. And... um their arena was in the same fucking like warehouse buildings because we we had our store in a warehouse building and they had the next three warehouses to the right of us that they combined all together there was like a couple hundred seatings in there and a ring in the middle and the guys used to hang out because there was an alley behind the warehouse between the like the next row of warehouses and the wrestlers all used to hang out back there in the alley so i just used to fucking chill with them nice nice jessica and i both used to this was when jessica and i first had met yeah uh now no longer together obviously but yeah we used to fucking chill in the alleyway with those guys all the time it was fun uh Reno Scum, who you're probably familiar with. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they actually started in Future Stars okay. Wrestling. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, Reno Scum, they were in Impact for a while. I'm not sure what they are now. Yeah, I don't know either. But yeah, this this match, um, I did watch Dark this week. Uh, this match, Daniel Garcia kept his hat on the whole time, which was pretty cool. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I thought that Simbody guy, guy looked pretty cool, and I kind of wanted to pair him up with uh, Lufa and uh, Sopenico. I think Chaos Project. Oh, dude, he'd be the he'd be the perfect fit for Chaos Project, yeah, like because yeah. he's never going to be used as as somebody that you know wins matches, right? He would just be there as kind of development, and because he's he's up there, he's like forty eight years old, okay, and yeah. uh, you know he's been around for a while, so he's good at developing younger talent. So that's what he would be there for. But his look when he was Kizarni, and obviously he's always got this like crazy ass fucking style going on. He would fit well with Luther and Serpentico. He really would. Yeah. yeah. Maybe we get a, a Luther Appreciation Society and chuck like Emmy Sakurai Ooh, in there or something as well. Maybe. Yeah. It's possible. I think it work as a dark angle. <laughs> maybe they could bring back, uh, because when he was Kazarni in WWE, he was paired up with uh, Terry Reynolds. Maybe they could bring her back. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure Dustin would be happy, right? No, oh, not yeah. really. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that'd be funny. But yeah, that was, uh, wait, no, we didn't keep going. Anna <laughs> J, Chris Statlander, and Ruby Soho defeated Diamante, Emmy Sakura, and Nyla Rose in a trios match. Very good match. Anthony Agogo, it was a good match, defeated Nick Ruiz, pretty quick fashion there, only two minutes. Konosuke Takashita defeated Nick Camarado. Man, the factory's all over the place on this dark, weren't they? Yeah. Matt Seidel defeated Taylor Rust, and in the main event, Ethan Page defeated Frankie Kazarian. Yeah, not bad dark. Not a bad dark. No, not a bad dark at all. Not a bad dark. But let's jump into going over Dynamite and Rampage from last week. We'll do the usual. You and I have taken the the biggest segments. We've got eight from Dynamite and only four this week from Rampage. We made our own rankings. We'll go back and forth. We'll start with Dynamite. Do you remember? I'm leaving it up to you each week now. Who went uh, went with the highs and who went with the lows last week? 
So two weeks ago, I went with the highs because the MJF thing going at the so end. So then you would be you week. would be back on the highs. You yes. would be back on the highs this week then. Okay. Okay. So then I will start with my lowest, which would have been number eight for me. And number eight on my list, and, and it's not that I, I will say, I didn't hate this segment, but I didn't hate a ton of things on this show either. Like, I thought it was a pretty okay dynamite in terms of, you know, s- slowly getting to that build for Forbidden Door. We had a lot of, a lot of fun moments on this show. But number eight for me was the class action settlement elimination match between Wardlow and 20 security guards. Okay, so we failed the full Heisen already. Um, I had that at number four. Okay. So, again, I didn't hate this, but I also wasn't... I haven't been a huge fan of this storyline either, right? Because Mm -hmm. I think that now that Wardlow has broken free from MJF, obviously they still had to, like, cut up, you know, settle some loose ends between the stuff with him and the security guards and, and smart Mark Sterling. But over the past few weeks since Double or Nothing, it really just has felt like Wardlow has been utilized or has been being utilized in this comedy role, which I don't want anymore. Like... I want him to run for that TNT title. I want him to just be a fucking unstoppable monster like he has been. Um, granted, he still looked that way in this match, right? Taking out 20 rando security guards. Yeah. Um, we ha- we knew that Wardlow was not going to lose this. We knew that he would be throwing out power bombs left and right. Did you actually keep count of how I many did. power bombs he did? Because I, how many did he do? Uh, so in in the match, 13 power bombs, and then we got an additional power bomb after the match. So 14 total. Um, but 13 in the actual match. And I said there would be like 24, and I think you said 11. So you were definitely closer in that regard. Yeah. But um, that one security guard that he picked up too, literally like he was going to throw him behind his back and like he probably could have tossed him into the fucking third row if he wanted to with the the momentum. Yeah, with the momentum (laughs) that he had. Um, I did enjoy, because we made the prediction last last week where we were hoping that like he would just stack them all up and yeah. dogpile and pin them all at once. He didn't do that with all 20, but he did do that with, you know, I think the most he did was seven at the very end and kind of like piled them all on top of each other to pin them. I did enjoy those moments, but I hope that this is the end, and I hope that this is, is Wardlow kind of going off and hopefully tr- capturing gold because as we can see here, at the end of this match, he does have a program still going with Dan Lambert and Scorpio Sky regarding that TNT title. They were sitting up in the bleachers watching, and Dan Lambert tried to use his leverage as the head of American Top Team to send um, two UFC guys into the ring, and I don't remember their names. I'm trying to find them really quickly. Um, Tyrone Woodley and Matt Hughes were sitting front row, two former UFC champions. And he's like, go get him, guys. And then, you know, Wardlow gets on the mic and he's like, you know, you guys are just like me. You don't need to listen to this guy. And they kind of throw a smart mark to him. And that's when he delivered that uh, additional powerbomb you were talking about, I'm sure. But, um, I mean, I think this is clear build to to Wardlow v. Scorpio Sky at this point. Yeah, I think that's definitely... And that's what I'm excited for. That's what I'm excited for. Yeah, I don't I don't think there's any way that Scorpio Sky is getting away a second time. Uh, but that one that one UFC guy in the blue shirt, he didn't look very well, did he? Uh, he struggled uh, Well, I think he, he just came back from injury. Like, he got pretty fucked up. Right, okay. But yeah, he, he looked quite rickety and he didn't he didn't really want anything to do in the ring. He sort of like stood in the corner with his uh, hands crossed. Uh, yeah. He didn't look very well, I threatening I, when I, he got in there. I don't remember because he retired. 
um, like ten plus years ago, or like almost ten years ago. Okay. But Matt Hughes, inj- I want to. There was something that happened. Uh, oh, he was involved in a train accident and had like a a really bad brain injury Shit. that he was able to survive. So he's like he's pretty fucked up and he's going to be fucked up for the rest of his life. It says he suffered a grade three diffuse axonal injury and a bra- uh, a brain bleed and they didn't think he was going to survive. Yikes. Well, fair play to him for getting through that. But yeah. Yeah. I will uh, pick up in this match, though, when it started and uh, Wardlow knocked the four or five people off the apron. The announcer announced that they'd all been eliminated, and then the commentary team. Yeah, were like, did you right? Did you see me in Discord? I even said, like, I was like because I was talking. You weren't in Discord on Wednesday night, but uh, Jeff was in there, I think, a little bit, and Sean was actually watching live, which doesn't happen all that often. And I had mentioned like, oh, because they had just went over the ring or whatever. I was like, I didn't realize this was like battle royal elimination yeah, style. Yeah, but they didn't even get in the ring and go over the top rope. They were kind of just stood on the apron and they knocked them off. Right. So, uh, yeah, even the announcers, uh, the commentary team were kind of like, oh, is, is that how this is going? Um, so they were a bit yeah. confused as well. I will say, I think Dasha Dasha has been pretty confused since she was filling in for uh, Justin Roberts the past week of content. Right, okay. There were some, there were some definite mistakes on the announcing side of things, like ring announcing. <laughs> <laughs> She even forgot, we'll get to it later, but she couldn't remember where Britt Baker was from there. Remember, she, there was like a big pause when she was going to announce the city of, of Britt Baker. And then was it on Rampage? She was like, Bear Country members, Leon Ruff, Bear Boulder, and Bear Bronson. And they were on Rampage, they were like, oh, I think it was Excalibur. He's like, I didn't realize Leon Ruff was in Bear Country now. <laughs> yeah, because the graphic came up and it called they were called Ruff in it or something. Yeah. yeah no, she called him Bear Country. Yeah, no good, no good. <laughs> But yeah, that was my number eight. I didn't hate it, but I actually liked everything else better on Dynamite this week. Yeah, I thought it was like a fairly good comedy, sort of a comedy match that, yeah, got this storyline out of the way. They did announce that, like, the lawsuit is now settled because he won. Uh, but yeah, now we can move on, and that's all good. That's all good. What's your number one? So, my number one, when I find it. My number one. Your number one's going to be either my number one or number two. Okay, I definitely don't think it's going to be your number one. Uh, My number one is the ladder match main event. Okay. Okay. Uh, I told you your number one would be either my number one or my number two. The ladder match was my number two. Cool. I think I know what your number one is, but we'll save it till we get there. Um, yeah, I thought this was a very quick ladder match for what we used to, but they gave they came in, they got all their spots in, and then they got out, and then we got some storyline afterwards. I think uh, Luchasaurus went through like five tables, like three of them in one yeah. go. But yeah, he did go through tables. I'm pretty sure everyone went through a table. Uh, this was basically a TLC match without calling it a tables, ladders, and chairs match. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, Nick cut his mouth. That was, you see, on the top of the ladder once they'd won, like he, his mic has been, I was trying to take a picture of that graphic. I thought it looked really cool, but I couldn't get like the pause logo to drop, so yeah, scrapped <laughs> it. <laughs> Dude, th- there were some crazy moments in this match too. Like there were some really cool spots. The uh, the 450 splash mm-hmm. that, um, that Nick did to Luchasaurus through one of the tables that you mentioned Luchasaurus went to outside. I thought that was really cool. Uh, this was a pretty fast-paced ladder match too. Like it was, it was nonstop. Um, we had uh, a lot of super kicks, which I appreciate. A lot of ladder moments, a lot of spots. Looked like they were really killing themselves. And I'm just happy that the Bucks are champions again, man. 
the belts are back where they belong. Yeah, I'm not. Um, I'm not angry at the outcome of this match. There were there was no uh, time wasted uh, in this whole thing, and that's why I like. I don't like people lying on the floor and pretending to be hurt for ages. Um, so it was, it was really quick. It was really fast paced. We got all the spots. No spot. No time wasted. And then yeah, as you said, the Bucks came out on top. But I think it's the right call. To be fair, I do too. Jurassic Express tag title run was getting a little stale. Right? Like, it was getting a little stale. Yeah, yeah. We were in the midst of um, seeing them at another pay-per-view against the Bucks and the Hardys. Or, yeah, just them in another triple threat where the title wasn't... The title was on the line, but the storyline wasn't about them. So they were kind of being shoehorned in. So it was definitely the right. Like, last Double or Nothing, it was was fucking Powerhouse Hobbs, Starks, and Keith Lee Lee Swerve. Yeah, like... Previous one. Where where they were secondary, correct. Yeah, the previous one was Bucks and Red Dragon. Was that right? Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, we didn't we didn't need it a third time, right? No, definitely not. So this you know, this obviously gives the potential for some new exciting tag matches between the Bucks and whoever before the Bucks inevitably drop their titles probably to FTR next, I would assume. Yeah, I think that's a good uh, combat match to be fair. Yeah. Cool. Absolutely. But then yep. we we did get uh Christian turn on Jungle Boy at the end. We was- finally got it. We've been saying it for weeks now that it was bound to happen sooner rather than later. Yeah, yeah, all the signs were there, and he came out, and he was he was nice to Luchasaurus while the Bucks were still on the ramp, and then once the Bucks had gone, got in the ring, and as Jungle Boy was being helped out, he sort of pulled him round, didn't he? Gave him a, they call it a kill switch, or I'm prettier, I think they call it a kill switch these days, don't they? Yeah, they call it a kill switch now, yeah. Yeah, and then he, he hit him with a chair, gave him a chip concerto, and then he was uh, mouthing off to the rest of his family. Yeah, I love that. They they posted a like a uh, an after the show went off the air thing, and he Christian Cage walks down to Jungle Boy's mom and sister who were sitting ringside. His Jungle Boy's sister looks just like look, like just like him. It's so crazy how close they look to each other. But um, yeah, same same facial features as well. But um, he walks up and he's like, "You raised a piece of shit." <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was hilarious. So you know we're going to get some sort of like Jungle Boy, Christian Cage program feud over the next few weeks, probably building up to a a big match somewhere. Maybe not a pay-per-view, but maybe like a themed show of a Dynamite or something like that, which I'm sure Jungle Boy will get the rub and win over. Like they're going to utilize this to make him an even bigger star. Oh, yeah, no doubt that that's where this is going. But it's good to see uh, it's good to see Christian get into a storyline that's not him just being a manager. Right, exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, let's move on to my number seven. And my number seven, again, didn't hate this, but my number seven was the in-ring segment between Hangman Adam Page, Adam Cole, and Jay White. Where'd you have this ranked? Number seven. Oh, okay. Look at that. So we kind of we kind of agree on this. So again, I didn't hate this, but what I didn't like about this is that we're less than a week away now from Forbidden Door, and you would think that the IWGP World Heavyweight title would be, like, a much bigger deal for this pay-per-view, and I get that Jay White did just beat Okada for the title at Dominion, right, which was a big reason why we didn't know who was going to be the IWGP champion going into this pay-per-view, 
Um, but they've been teasing now for the past several weeks that it was either going to be Hangman, Adam Page, or Adam Cole. I, I do think this is just going to end up being a triple threat match between the three of them. Mm-hmm. But during this segment, Jay White's like, no, nah, it's not going to be you, Hangman. And, and Cole, it's not going to be you e- you either. He's like, I, I hold the title. I hold the gold. And I call the shots. So I'll choose who my opponent's going to be for Forbidden Door. And then that was kind of it. So I don't know who else it could be at Forbidden Door if it's not Cole and Paige, probably both of them. Yeah. I just don't know what else it could be. So I, I wasn't a huge fan of this. I wish it would have been an actual announcement of the match and a build toward that. Yeah, to be, as you said, we didn't. We got confirmation there was no Okada. And then uh, Jay White recently, Jay White and Chris Bay recently lost to the Briscoes on Impact. Um, There's a lot of big names actually mentioned. You know, no Okada. There's a lot of big names not at Forbidden Door. No Okada. No Tetsuya Naito. No, Andrade has got to wrestle in Mexico that that weekend, so he can't be there. Omega still not coming back from injury yet. Like, there's a lot of names that you would have expected to be at the first cross pay per view between A and W and New Japan, not going to be there, and that's a little shocking to me. Yeah, um, take some of take some of the like the fire out of the pay per view, in my opinion. Knowing that Okada is not going to be there, knowing that Naito is not going to be there. Yeah, there are definitely some massive names that we would have expected to see. But yeah, as you said, this segment ended with no match confirmation for Forbidden Door, and with like just over a week to go, it doesn't feel like a good storyline. Doesn't it feels like no. the build is kind of all over the place, and by the time the match gets set in motion. Like it'll be it'll be time to have the match, so there'll be no real be no real build to it, to be fair. That's why I'm hoping it is it just ends up being this triple threat, because at least that has been slowly been being built over the last three weeks. Like mm-hmm. that's why I'm sort of hoping it's just that. Yeah, I'll go with that. But but we'll see. Uh all right, back to you. What's number two on your list? So number two on my list is probably your number one on this list. Uh and that's gonna be Dax versus Will Ospreay, in it. You goddamn right. That was my number one this week. <laughs> Mr. Pure Wrestling loves wrestling, yeah. Dude, this match was phenomenal. And Will Ospreay, seriously, one of the best in the world right now. And and he knows it. Everybody knows it. And he deserves it. But Dax is absolutely incredible, dude. Like, not only in FTR with tag matches, but, like, the singles matches that we've seen him compete in against, like, CM Punk or against his partner Cash, like, now Osprey, he has some incredible singles matches. He is a phenomenal fucking wrestler. He is, uh, and I'm going to put it here now, that he's probably walking away with this year's, like, most improved wrestler, most whichever whichever title you want to yeah. give him, but he's definitely walking away with a title this year. Not, not, a, Absolutely. not a belt, like an award for like the work he's put in this year because it has been phenomenal. Yeah, it's been absolutely incredible. And this was definitely a great match to put Will Ospreay in to show the AEW audience, like, this is actually what Ospreay can do. Because the, you know, the match that we just had that we talked about last week on the show, the trios match, that didn't really highlight him to the best of his abilities. But this match certainly, again, he's had better matches, right? I mean, his matches with Ricochet were fucking 10 star matches, but this really showcased what Osprey is capable of inside the ring and why we need to be excited that he is there right now. Yeah, so I, I thought this was pretty good. I did find Osprey a very taunty, and I'm guessing this is like the Jap- Japan style sort of thing. So I know the crowds aren't super like chanty over there, are they? Sort of like clap, no, clap they, they, they don't say anything, dude. 
they don't chant. They don't do. They don't really say anything. All they do is clap. Yeah, it's it's a different world for for wrestling over in Japan. Yeah. So I find Osprey. He was like very taunty, and then the one time he sort of like he was getting off the floor, and he had like both his arms spread, and he was not doing like the jazz hands or like the single hand claps to sort of like oh come on crowd like clap clap along with me bring me up. Um, yeah, that just stuck out as very different. Uh, you could tell the different style between the Japanese style and the American style we got there but um after the match uh the probably the best part for me was that um orange cassidy came back and we yeah, got the orange united cassidy. empire came down to uh to beat on hardwood after the match right uh because well first of all let me just say the end of the ending sequence to this match was incredible hardwood kicked out of the liger bomb he kicked out of the os cutter and then finally got put down by the hidden blade so will went through all all of his fucking finishing moves to get put rid of uh to put hardwood down for the count which was kind of nice to see but after that happened of course as you mentioned united empire comes down to do a beat down they get interrupted by cash wheeler and rapongi vice and a brawl breaks out and then orange cassidy's music kicks in <laughs> and he's fucking back baby yeah um it's good I've, uh, when i think you'll remember when i said when orange cassidy got injured i was like oh not happy he's injured but i'm happy he gets to go away for a bit we get to see other people like enough time has passed now it's nice to see orange cassidy back i feel revitalized i feel like i've had a nice break i'm ready for him to come back and i think him versus osprey could be a really really good match to be fair oh dude it could be so good and that's the match we're getting for forbidden door right for the iwgp u.s title cassidy and, and osprey i think that could be a killer fucking match probably one of the stars of the show in all honesty yeah, we'll remember uh, Cassidy versus Pack, and that was a phenomenal match. I think Osprey, absolutely incredible. Osprey and Cassidy could do the same thing here. Yep, I agree. I'm looking forward to it. We'll make some predictions on that a little bit later on in the show. Mm-hmm. Number six on my list is Doctor Britt Baker taking on Tony Storm. I just at number five. Have this at? Number five. Okay, so not much difference from me. Again, not a terrible match. This being a, you know, kind of like a return match between the two after they met in the semifinals of the Women's Owen Hart Cup Tournament where Britt Baker got the victory. So I assumed coming into this match that because last week on Dynamite where we talked about Tony Storm kind of helping out Thunder Rosa and then picking up the title and making it apparent just through motions that... You know, she sort of wanted that title for her own. I had to assume that Tony Storm was next in line, so that likely meant she was going to get the revenge victory over Britt Baker, which did happen. Mm-hmm. Um, the match was, it was okay. Like, it wasn't amazing by any stretch of the imagination. I did, um, I do think both girls did well, but I've seen better matches. That's all. Yeah, so it's kind of, uh, it sat middle in the road, middle of the road for me. Yeah, it was, it was an all right match. I did like the, uh, Brit playing possum spot. That was really cool. I brought that. Uh, I, I bit on that hook by and sinker as I did the I did crap. too, man. I actually thought I actually thought that you know Tony's hips did more damage than they should have there when in that spot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Britt did really well to uh, sell that. Yeah, one. she sold the shit out of that. She sold the shit out of it. Good on her because I fell for it too. Yeah, um, but yeah, that was probably the best spot from this match, and then. We did see Rosa come down. She chased Jamie to the back. And like when Rosa came out, she didn't get the massive pop, to be honest. Uh, she, didn't, she did not, no. She didn't get the pop that a champ should get. Like when you see Hangman come out, Hangman still gets that pop. Uh, Rosa Rosa does not. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. And Tony Storm getting the victory here. Thunder Rosa coming out after the match, holding up the title. Uh, that was all the confirmation we needed that that was the next match. And I'm a little shocked that this match is taking place at Forbidden Door since neither of them are from New Japan Pro Wrestling. 
but that also leads me to believe that we are not getting any stardom representation on this show, so they had to put the women on there somehow. Yes, I don't know whether that was like a logistics thing, whether they just couldn't get it done or what, but yeah, there's no forbidden door with Thunder Rosa and Tony Storm, is there? No, there's definitely no forbidden door there, so a little weird spot to have that match, but you know what? Maybe it'll be a good match. Who knows? Who knows? Back to you. What's your number three? My number three is the uh, hair versus hair match with uh, Ortiz and Jericho. That is also my number three. Nice. Good. This was, uh, I don't want to say it was a great way to open Dynamite, but it was a very good way to open Dynamite. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good way to open Dynamite. This match had a lot of intensity behind it. Uh, I do think this was one of the better matches that we saw on Wednesday Dynamite like it was really enjoyable and I think they kind of fooled us all because I think a lot of people were expecting Jericho to get his head shaved in this match where he was and he was uh, that didn't happen yeah he was taunting a lot in this match sort of like playing with his hair and that's kind of that's usually the telltale sign that like he's gonna lose it if they're overly confident but yeah we, we, absolutely um I think we all got swerved well, I definitely got swerved when Jericho kicked out of Kingston's finisher Definitely yeah, thought that I was did the too. End. Um, there was a nice uh, snap suplex from Jericho to Ortiz to the outside. That one looked really painful. Do you remember that? I do remember that. Yeah, that that looked particularly painful. To be fair, um, and then yeah, before I get onto the finish, have you seen the stuff about um, Santana? It was on like Twitter, like counting down the days of his contract or something. No. Yes, yeah, so, uh, I think people have been saying that he's counting down the days for his contract. He posted something like 126 days. Um, yeah, I don't think Santana's very happy. Apparently, one to go off and be a singles wrestler uh someone tagged him in something saying like oh is it time for you to go it's time for you to start chasing for the tag titles and he uh he responded with the gif of when it was like him and jericho uh mouthing off in the ring and he just like laughs into the camera so yeah i don't think he's buying into the fact that they're gonna go anywhere so i think santana's on his way out i hope not I don't want him to be. No, like Pride and Powerful are a really good team, to be fair. But they've kind of they've been there and they've kind of just not gone gone higher. So I, w- I wouldn't blame him. And he has just won, I think it's some independent like heavyweight championship. But he is the heavyweight champion of some promotion. Right? Dang. Well, hopefully he doesn't end up. Uh, hopefully he doesn't end up disappearing. But I guess I wouldn't be surprised if that did happen. Um, you know, a lot of these guys they like to move on, expand their horizon, sort of a thing. So you can't really blame somebody for wanting to see what else is out there if that is the case, right? At least he's not making a big deal about it. Yeah, I I, I was quite shocked to see him um, come down to the ring, to be honest, because we haven't seen a lot of him in the past few weeks. We haven't, I don't think we've actually seen him since the Anarchy in the Arena double match. Or, double or nothing, yeah. Yeah, so he's just been Ortiz on his own, which is quite weird because they are a tag team but if he does go i would like to see um i would like to see ortiz bring in like uh the 5150 from mlw i see danny line okay. and uh hernandez come back yeah like, something like that yeah danny line doing really well in mlw to be fair he's come on leaps and bounds so. and we've seen him previously in AEW, mostly on dark but we've seen him previously yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. He was on Dark and he was pretty good, but TK didn't sign him. And then he went to uh, MLW and joined with Conan and made like a new LAX. Uh, and they're called the 5159. But yeah, so uh, hopefully it's time to bring Danny Limelight back because I'm a big fan. Speaking of Conan, did you happen to catch any of the uh, round two of Triple Mania 30? from AAA last night that took place. I haven't watched any of it, but I've got all the results because I saw them all today. There was an incredible 
five-way dance between Ray Phoenix, Laredo Kid, Black Toros, Hijo del Vikingo, and Bandito that everybody needs to watch. Every fucking wrestling fan needs to see that match. Yeah. Yeah. It was a unification it was a unification match but for the uh for the cruiserweight and Latin American championships that AAA has. They combined those two titles together and that match was just absolutely crazy, dude. It was it was so fucking crazy. Cool. I'll have to go see if I check that afterwards. I did hear that Bandito got um he got injured though, didn't he? He did. Mm-hmm. Taking it off. He did. And then the other big. Did you did did you see who Jeff Hardy's replacement was? Yeah, Johnny Hardy. Johnny. Johnny Impact. Hardy. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I love his his gimmick. I love his gimmick that his last name doesn't matter. <laughs> It's yeah. so good. Johnny fucking Hardy. <laughs> yeah. And then the, the other big match, uh, or the other big thing that I took note of is that didn't Penta lose his match? So now it goes down to Penta versus, is it Villano 4 in a match? Yeah, so it's match. it's going to be Penta Oscuro in, in Villano 4. And who because Psycho Clown and Blue Demon Jr. won their matches, so there's only one left, which is going to take place in August at the final, uh, you know, final edition. Uh, I'm sorry, not August, October in Mexico City, Chapter Three of Triple Mania 30, and it'll be Penta taking on Villano Four. Loser has to unmask. So yeah, and it uh, went from like a 16 to one chance of Penta losing his mask to now down. Was it 16 or was it eight? Doesn't matter. He's now down to a 50-50 chance in it. Yep. So. And he's teased already that he might be losing that mask. So, I mean, he was teasing it at the start of this year, if you remember. Yeah, yeah. And he, we did have that match uh, the other week with the Bucks, and they ripped his match straight off, didn't they? So They did. They, uh, yeah. Yep. I think it might be time. Which would be kind of crazy. I mean, he could still paint his face, right? Like, he could still do that if he wanted to. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, he might, he might be maskless after October, which would be kind of crazy. But I don't think it would. I don't think it would hurt him at all. Like that would not. That would definitely not damper him in terms of a a character or a wrestler because he's still so fucking amazing. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, should we try to swerve back to the match? Yeah, yeah. We didn't really talk to it about that much. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. After, after the match, uh, Fuego del Sol um, attacks. Yeah, fuck Fuego. <laughs> fuck him. Fuego del Sol attacks Ortiz with a baseball bat and. Uh, I don't, my my brain did a flip. I was kind of, I just couldn't understand it. I was like, "What's going? What is going on? What the fuck is this finish? This isn't cool." Um, and then Sh- Sean pointed out in Discord, he's like, "That's not Fuego." And I was like, "You're right. You can tell by the smile and the teeth." Because who, uh, who 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 did Fuego end up being? Sammy fucking Guevara. He's got some nice teeth, dude. <laughs> Fair. I don't know. I don't like his grin, so I don't pay attention to his teeth. <laughs> You could tell by the teeth under the mask that it was Sammy after Sean pointed that out. But that officially reunites Les Sex Gods, Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara, back in the Jericho Appreciation Society with Ty Conti. The JAS has two new members. It does. Um, you see uh, Fuego Del Sol put out a Twitter post. It was like, that's the last time I let you do my dry cleaning. <laughs> <laughs> so very snappy, to be fair. Um, that's hilarious. But yeah, it's, it's all right. It's something new for Sammy to do. It? But I did take note of like when it was, it was Sammy, Hager, Jericho stood on the ramp, like 2.0 and Garcia like weren't anywhere around, were they? No, they weren't. So it was kind of like, oh, are they going to get bumped back down? Are they going to go? I don't really want them to go down as like the lower part of the JSA. Like they're they're, they're the ones that should be getting the rub. Do you know what I mean? Especially especially Matt and Angelo. Mm-hmm. Like da- uh, Danny Garcia, I, I could see him maybe fading out and going into the Blackpool Combat Club. Yeah. Like we've been talking about. That could work. That could work. Yeah. 
Who knows? But Ortiz did lose. Ortiz did have to cut his hair, right? So uh, Kingston grabbed the the razor from the barber who was sitting ringside, and Ortiz just kind of like started cutting and shaving his head. He cut himself while he was doing it, which might have been intentional. I don't know. It might have been an accident. But uh, he did cut himself on the forehead when he was doing the shaving and the cutting. And while he was cutting his hair, he was just repeatedly screaming blood and guts into the mic, basically confirming that he's going to be part of that match as well when it happens. Which isn't it happening soon? Twenty. I want to say it's the 29th, isn't it? Is it this month? Yeah, right, right. It's this month, right after, right after the Forbidden Door pay per view. Yeah, so the 29th. Um, we know now that it'll be. Kingston, Mox, and Ortiz. Yeah, and it's looking like team. Jericho's team is now going to be Jericho, Sammy, and Hager. But are we getting Garcia and 2.0 in there? See, I would have to assume two. I would have to assume 2.0 is involved, which means we would need two more for the other side. I would have to assume. I can't imagine it would just be a trio's blood and guts, but who knows? Maybe it will be. Yeah, so I mean, uh, uh, Jericho Appreciation Society is not count, not including Ty Conti is now six deep. Um, so we can't have all six of them in the blood and guts if there's only five on the other team. Right. Don't know. Yeah, we'll have to see what they do. Maybe Hager steps out. Hager just stands on the Ooh. outside and looks muscly. Doesn't do looks a lot. Looks muscly, wearing some pajamas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, well, let's bring it back. Number five, we got two left. We have the in-ring face-to-face segment between Mox and Hiroshi Tanahashi and the first-round match of the All-Atlantic Championship Tournament between Ethan Page and Miro. And that is my number five, the Ethan Page v. Miro match. That is my number five. Yeah, it's my number you have six. That okay, okay. I expected this match to be better than it was. Yeah, to be honest, it wasn't, um, wasn't a lot of much, was it? No, it really wasn't much. Um... They didn't have, like, this crazy encounter that I thought they would. Uh, Miro clearly is a face after returning, right? Like, the crowd is just so behind him. He's not a heel anymore. So, um, I, I just expected more out of this match. It didn't last that long either. I think it was just under... I mean, they did do a picture in picture. I remember that. But I think it was somewhere six, seven, eight minutes maybe total. But, um, yeah. I expected this match to be better. Still had some cool moments, but I also was not shocked that Miro won. Yeah, um, I I think the the right call was Miro. To be fair, uh, the only notes I really took are like Ethan Page got some good shoulder tackles. He likes to do them. He did one from the outside off the apron that was pretty big, and then he did one from the top rope. Like they were pretty cool to see. I liked the uh, when he tried to make Miro pray. Like that was a funny little spot. That was, and that was the end of him too, right? He did that, and then Miro came back and basically just dominated to the end. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the only other thing I did pick up on is like du- during the end and during like Miro's sort of celebration, the camera was angled so that you could, like, I picked up that you could always see Kip Sabian, the box, the box head in the corner. Did you notice right. this? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what's. Uh, hopefully, something comes with that because that's that storyline's kind of just. Uh, that's been going for months now, the better part of this year. Yeah, yeah. So he needs to kind of do something. But yeah, I did notice that the camera was kind of pointing so we could always see the box during that. So it's cool. Who knows? Isn't he Isn't he Canadian? Kip Sabian? Yeah. Nice. No, one of ours, mate. Oh, is he from England? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he is. Oh, yeah, he is. He is from the UK. Yeah, yeah. So I guess he would qualify as a as a All-Atlantic competitor, right? Yeah, yeah. It's true. <laughs> but that leaves us one left. My number four. Where'd you have this one? 
So this was my number eight. Wow, okay. So talk about it. Okay. This would have been you anyway. So number eight, um, I didn't think this was John Moxley's strongest promo, to be fair. Uh, I think using Tanahashi being the ace was a little weak. Uh, we got a lot of repeated lines from Moxley. Um, Tanahashi didn't get a lot of time on the mic. I think he might have said like two or three words. and then He, he also is not strong on English either. He's, he's not that strong in English. Fair, but I would have liked to see him talk a little bit more. And then it got overtaken by the fucking Lance Archer and his... Uh... <laughs> Your Des- favorite. Yeah, Desperado. Is that his teammate from Suki Goon? Yep, Desperado, which was nice to see Desperado on Dynamite. Yeah, yeah. But then uh, Jericho came out and he was mouthing off, right? Should be him in the match. And then he was in the ring and he was trying to announce that there was a different match. And to be honest, like he was, he stumbled, like sort of <laughs> who he was announcing. And it just felt like it was a bit of a clusterfuck match, the announced. Um, like I've said before, I like multi-men feuds. I don't think I like his multi-feud matches. So, like, there's Kingston and Jericho, and then there's, there's like, Yuta and some guy from Japan, I don't know. And then there's, no, there's Suzuki, Minoru Suzuki, and someone else. But, yeah. I don't know what was going on here. And I just thought the Mox promo was weak. And then Jericho come and Lance Archer was there. So I was like, nah. I think that's what it boils down to. It was like, oh, why is Lance Archer? He's taking the pin in this match. Like, put it in stone. I, yeah, yeah. Because on Dynamite this week, it's going to be Mox and Tanahashi taking on Jericho and Lance Archer. You you, you damn well know <laughs> Lance Archer is losing, that, losing it for that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but I agree with you, I think, that it definitely wasn't Mox's strongest promo. But I appreciated finally getting Mox and Tanahashi face to face because this has been being held off for so long. Like they've been waiting for the right time to do this. And now it just happens to be the right time for the interim AEW title. This is a big deal. Like this is a big marquee match right here. And I just appreciated the epicness of that. Okay. Okay. That's the only reason I had it so high at number four. Yeah, I can appreciate that. It just wasn't for me. Yeah. Not a problem. I I agree. As we always say, not everything is for everybody. So, uh, but in terms of a star rating for this dynamite, I I thought it was pretty enjoyable. I thought it was pretty good for the most part. Um, I would go with because I really enjoyed Jericho Ortiz. I really enjoyed Dax and Osprey. I really enjoyed the main event, the ladder match. Everything else was okay. I didn't think there was anything that was too weak. I'd give this four stars. I would. Yeah, I was waiting between three and a half and four stars. And I think uh, just by we got like a Sammy turn and we got some a few other cool bits. I think it deserves a four, to be fair. Yeah, cool. So we are in agreement then. Four stars for this dynamite. I like it. I like it. Let's talk about Rampage before we start making some Forbidden Door predictions. We only had four things that we ranked for Rampage. I think this might be the least amount that we've had for Rampage in a while. But this Rampage, I mean, it was it was just very okay, right? It was just very okay. <laughs> it wasn't that great. Uh, kick us off. What was your lowest rated on this Rampage? Uh, so my lowest rated on this Rampage was uh, Mox vs. Dante Martin. <laughs> Okay. I had that at number one. I knew you'd have this at number one. Um <laughs> I'm I'm really over like I've had enough of seeing Mox on Dynamite and Rampage going against undercard talent. And I'm pretty sure he's wrestled Dante Martin already. It feels like he's wrestled Dante Martin already. Pretty sure pretty sure he has, yeah. yeah. Pretty sure he has. And Dante Martin uh on Dynamite was spiting his new gimmick or he's inhuman. 
That's what yeah, the Inhuman. Inhuman, mm-hmm. Dante Martin. But I, don't, I didn't see really much of a give a change apart from a new name on his ass. Um, <laughs> so it was it was very run-of-the-mill. This is exactly what I expected from both of them. <sighs> you know my favorite part of this match? was when Dante Martin effortlessly jumped up to the top rope and was getting ready to springboard to the outside, but Mox moved away. And Dante, like, instantly, like, just jumped off the top rope and floated back into the middle of the ring. That was so fucking cool-looking, dude. <laughs> fair, fair. Um, I will shout out the... Uh, I definitely thought Dante Martin got the three, whether that was accidental or... It sure looked like he did. Yeah, he did that like sunset flip to uh, Mox in the middle of the ring, and the ref definitely counted three. I swear. I'm yeah, it sure looked like it was, it was a three count. It definitely looked like a three count to me. Um, but yeah, it's just this is just the same old, same old. And I'm I'm not here for it anymore. I could have uh, I could have turned Rampage off for ten minutes and then come back for something more interesting. I can respect that, and I felt like that throughout the entirety of this Rampage. Like I watched it while doing some other stuff on the computer this time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that is usually a telltale sign that I'm not super invested in it. This, this rampage felt like a throwaway to me. And that's sad because I mean, you know, we saw Willow Nightingale on rampage again and I like her. And that's probably the only match I really actually paid attention to like full on hundred percent paid attention to, um, this, this rampage just felt unnecessary. I don't know. It was weird. Yeah. It's definitely weird. Want to hit us with your number one? Yeah. Yeah, my number one was John Moxley taking on Dante Martin. <laughs> so my number two, I just mentioned it, Jade Cargill taking on Willow Nightingale for the TBS title. That was my number two. Yeah, and I've got this at number two as well. Okay. So I really appreciated seeing Willow again. I, I do think it's a crying shame that she hasn't been signed completely, whether it is to just AEW or Ring of Honor. I think she should be signed. I think she should get more of a chance because she's such a likable character. The fans were really behind her again. Every time she's out there, she's able to get the crowd just completely behind her, which is super impressive. Um but what was not super impressive was this match. The match was pretty run of the mill in terms of Jade Cargill matches. Uh, Jade looked dominant for most of the match and didn't really struggle to get the victory. Yeah. So uh, my notes, I've got that uh, when Willow came down when she did her entrance, she seemed very like uh, peppy, like very upbeat and very almost to the point of like parody comedy. It was like overly too much, like overly happy. Mm-hmm. But we're gonna start getting like, um, yeah, Julia Hart sort of like cheerleader waves to the crowd, big smiles to everybody. It was a, it was a bit too much. I didn't need that. Um, did you pick up on commentary that uh, was it Stokely offered Jericho a spot on the Baddies Club? He did. <laughs> I thought that yeah. was pretty cool. Um, he did. I loved having Stokely on on commentary. I thought that was a nice touch. Yeah. Um, Jay, Jay Cargill's, uh, which just that like little basketball thing. And then she does like the jump in elbow splash into the corner. Like they don't look great. She doesn't get height on those. Like I think she gets right. like not even a foot off the floor. Um, they don't look very good at all. I thought Willow's, um, Willow's off spread, Willow's off fence in the first like few minutes of the match was pretty good. She looked really agile to be fair. Absolutely. Yeah. And then it just fell into another Jade match. Yeah, it did. Um, and then Jade hit a pedigree towards the end. So she did a pedigree and then she did a jaded thing. Um, yeah. So yeah, that that was that. And then Athena came down and she almost, Athena almost missed her finisher. Like she only just Yeah, got, second, second week in a row where she almost missed it. Yeah, almost missed Kira Hogan. And then she sort of stood up and looked around and waited for Jade to turn around and then kick her in the face, which was, <laughs> right. uh, was a bit slow and a bit like we didn't need that. Uh, but then there was a nice spot when Statlander, Statlander ran down and she like uh, bopped Stokely on the back of her head. <laughs> she slapped Stokely <laughs> on the back and he, he sold the shit out of that, dude. That was... 
so funny. Yeah. She just ran by and like smacked him on the back of the head. I thought that was so fucking entertaining. Yeah, that was probably my highlight of that match, to be fair. I really like that bit. <laughs> I did too. I thought that was so enjoyable. That was super funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Jade's still the TBS champion. So next up is definitely Athena. I mean, in terms of a, a credible challenger for that TBS title. But fuck, dude, I'm not even sure Athena should win at this point. I think it should go to Statlander next. I really do. Yeah, Athena or Statlander, I don't hate either of them getting it, to be honest. I just don't know whether it's time for Jade to drop it. Yeah, we'll see. We will see. Uh, What's number three on your list? Number three on my list is the ass claimed versus roughing it slash bear country. Okay. I also had that at number three. Um, yeah, I think the, the best part about this was probably Max Caster's rap. He was, uh, yeah. He made some... Referencing the NDA, referencing the NDA <laughs> yeah. for Vince McMahon. <laughs> like, I think we knew it was coming. Like, you give Max Caster Absolutely. a rap, he's going to tell you the, the latest thing on uh, everybody's mic, and, he, uh, and the crowd were like, whoa. Um, so that was pretty cool. He did, uh, he did make some joke about St. Louis being the murder capital. Like, I don't know how guys, you could, you, you guys joke about murder over there. I mean, why not? Because it's so <laughs> rampant all the time over here. Fair. I was just like, oh, that's, that's a bit of a line. I wouldn't have passed that, but okay. <laughs> he's, if he's getting away with it. Um... <laughs> This whole this whole stable that that kind of formulated and they really should just call themselves the acclaimed at this point. Like that's just the perfect name for the stable as well. But um putting him with the ass boys and putting him with Papa Ass. Papa Ass. <laughs> that's, that's fucking Bowens calls him every Daddy Ass, sorry, Daddy Ass. Going, uh, as uh yeah. as Bowens calls him every week. Dude, Billy's just the perfect guy for this role. Like, you know what I mean? Just seeing how he was in Degeneration X and now with this, like, this is just a new form of that. Yeah, it's so yeah. fucking cool. It's so fucking funny. Yes, it, I think Bones was like, scissor me, daddy. And then while he was sat in his wheelchair. Yeah. And then we got the, like, the uh, the triangle scissor in the middle of the ring. Uh, but, like, Bear Country were, like, taken out. So they were less Bear Country and more, like, not Bear Country. Um, <laughs> and Ruff had a pretty rough time as well, didn't he? Like, there was... There's no- yeah, this, ma- this match was literally two minutes or less. It was not a long match. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, it was entertaining for the entrance and entertaining just to see those guys. But nothing more than that. I agree. I agree. And then... So we flipped... Only thing we flipped was our one and fours. My number four was your number one. Yeah. Which is Bobby Fish and Darby Allen. Yeah, I don't think I'd have ever predicted I'd put Darby at number one on I was going to say, I am shocked (laughs) that you had Darby as number one just based on how much you have talked about being sick of seeing Darby every single week over the last, I feel like, several months of the show now. Uh, It was was an entertaining main event, but I don't think it was the main event match of Rampage. Like, I feel like either Jade or Willow should have went main event, or if even Dante or Mox would have fit better as the main event. Like, this did not feel like a main event match to me. And that's why I put it at number four. Okay. So, yeah, I don't think um, Bobby Fish is booked as, like, a main event talent, is he? Like, he he wrestles super well. Um, He He does. He's a great striker. He's a great submission wrestlist, too. Yeah, like, he out-wrestled Darby through this whole thing, and... I don't know why it's number one when it was a typical Derby gets crushed for most of the match and then squeaks the victory out. Um, Same Derby booking, yep. Yeah, but there was this uh, this weird like charge spot they did towards the beginning of the match uh, when they were outside for the guardrail and then Bobby Fish like ran at him. He tried to jump over but didn't quite get over and he did like this fucking cartwheel. Uh, looked like reckless Derby Allen spilling everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> As always, uh, we did get a nice spear from Bobby Fish to uh, Darby Allen outside the ring, to the outside of the ring, uh, which is pretty good. Um, yeah, I don't, now I'm talking about it, I have no idea why I put this number one. Um, That's okay. The, the Last Supper 
like they call that <laughs> that pin thing from Derby. It fucking sucks, man. Yeah. I don't like that. I don't like that he's got a pin that's a finisher. Like that's just ass, absolute ass. <laughs> okay, this might be why I enjoyed it the most. Um, Sting came back, so it was nice. To see. Sting did come back, and then he uh, yeah, Sting did come back. So I'm a massive Sting fan, um, and I did like that he uh, he hit Kyle O'Reilly in the balls with his bat. Right, squ- square in the balls, and Kyle stole the shit out of that, he too. Did. And then uh, while he was sort of, like, clutching his nuts, he kicked the bat again just to, like... <laughs> Get it, yeah. get it another time. Um, so yeah, that might be Kyle O'Reilly getting hit in the ball. So I think it's probably why it's number one on my list. And then they also they had a really nice looking white steel chair. Usually the steel chairs are black. This was a really pretty looking steel chair, and uh, they utilized it to have Darby do a coffin drop onto Bobby Fish's like ankle with the chair wrapped up in it. Sort of like what they did to Sting to take him out a few weeks back. Yeah, so it's getting payback now and it's all. Do we think this feud continues? Are we going to get more of yep. this? Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Okay. What else are they doing? Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> Ah, uh, yeah, but this was a very run-of-the-mill dynamite, not dynamite, I keep wanting to call it dynamite, but a run-of-the-mill run rampage for me. I would probably give this rampage, I'm torn between two and a half and three stars. I've got two and a half written on my list, that's why I'm giving it. I would, I, I, I'm going to go two and a half, yeah. That's where I was really leaning toward. Two and a half stars from both of us. We're in agreement for both dynamite and rampage this week. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, okay, well, before we make our Forbidden Door predictions for this coming up weekend, let's run down what we know is happening on the... Actually, you know what? Before we get to all that, because we didn't do it, there was no... The only time we had Hook was on Rampage, and it was just a quick, stupid backstage segment that lasted less than 45 seconds. Let's do Hook of the Week. Yeah. Let's jump to a little Hook of the Week. Yeah, let's do Hook of the Week. Sev, last week your hook was One Hook Willie. Was that his yeah, name? Yeah, it was. One Hook Willie from the uh, from the Blossom Tales 2 trailer that debuted over the Summer Game Fest week. And to keep going with the video game theme, my hook this week actually is a suggestion from you because we were talking about this a little bit before we started, actually takes place in The Quarry. And I'm not going to go into details on on what this means because if anybody out there is playing The Quarry, it did just come out like a week and a half ago. I don't want to spoil anything, even though there's not a guarantee that you would theoretically see this scene, right? Mm -hmm. It is one of those games where it's a choose your own adventure style game and shit a lot of people might not actually see this scene but later on in the game there is a nice reference from something that happens and the reference is hooky mchookface yeah i love it i thought if you'd have finished this game you'd have brought this one along um oh yeah and i haven't been i haven't finished this game yet yeah so everyone out there who's played the quarry will know who hooky mchookface is but unless you actually see that scene you don't know who hooky mchookface is right it's one of those cool style things about the games, but I I just love the name Hooky McCookface. Right, very creative. <laughs> Sounds like something you would come up with. Hey, I'm better than that. I'm above that. <laughs> so yeah, your hook of the week this week is uh, is Hooky McCookface. Go play the Quarry. It's a great game. Oh yes, super great game. But now let's jump ahead and look at what's happening this Wednesday night on Dynamite. We have three matches confirmed. The next first round match of the All-Atlantic title tournament is taking place between Penta Oscuro and Malachi Black. We have trios action once again. Will Ospreay and Aussie Open are taking on Orange Cassidy and Rapongi Vice. 
And the other match that we already talked about earlier on, John Moxley and Hiroshi Tanahashi taking on Chris Jericho and Lance Archer. Obviously, more will get added, and I assume that there's going to be a lot more NJPW guys there this week because a lot of them are going to be flying in mm-hmm. uh, to take part in Forbidden Door. So we'll probably have a shitload of NJPW guys crashing Dynamite and Rampage this week, which should be fun. I do, unfortunately, have another concert to go to this Wednesday night. I'm actually going with Justin to Pittsburgh to see a band that he wanted to go see called Icon for Hire. Okay. And I will not be watching this Dynamite live, so I will have to catch it as soon as I get back home. So I won't be able to chat about this one in Discord, which makes me sad a little bit. But that's okay. That's okay. And then we know one match for this Friday on Rampage. It's Hook taking on a top NJPW prospect. That's all we know. That's all we know. We don't even know who it is. It doesn't matter, does it, really? Like I don't think TK is going to let. Uh, an NJ guy come over and beat him. So no, it's not gonna it's not gonna ruin the streak yet. Definitely not. Definitely not. But it should still be an entertaining match. So do you reckon? Uh, I'm just I'm curious who it's gonna be. I really am. Yeah, probably someone from the dojo, wouldn't it? Like, I would assume I've so. Some of those in the dark elevation the past week or two. Uh, yeah, I would assume it's somebody from NJPW strong. Yeah. yeah. I just wonder if we're gonna get like you know the classic Survivor Series when they have like Team SmackDown, Team Raw. There's just like a big gang of them facing off against each other. Do you reckon we're gonna get like AEW shirts versus NJPW shirts to close out the show? I think so. That'd be a pretty cool graphic. Yeah, I think that would look really cool, and and I mean, shit, it makes a ton of sense to do that, right? Like, yeah, they'll probably do that. I could definitely see that happening. Cool, absolutely. Uh, but since we're talking about it, before we get on out of here, let's make some predictions for the Forbidden Door this Sunday night on pay per view. We have six matches confirmed, and then we're gonna make predictions for two matches that have not been confirmed yet, but are likely to take place. So let's just start with. And and for this first one, we're going to start with the All-Atlantic title match, the, the four-way dance. We're going to assume that Tomohiro Ishii is the competitor representing New Japan Pro Wrestling because he just makes the most sense, right? Mm-hmm. So we will say Pac taking on Miro, taking on either Malachi Black or Penta Oscuro, taking on Tomohiro Ishii. And I was going to say, who do we want to, who, who does it matter who goes first? No, it doesn't matter who goes first, but there is uh, spoilers for who wins out of Malachi and uh, Penta. Is there? Oh. Did that match already... They didn't tape it already. No, but it has... um, Let's see, you you, you might cut this bit. Uh, Yeah, it has implications. I will cut it. It has implications with the uh, Andrade thing. So I think Penta was booked to work the same show that Andrade was. So... Oh, I think he was. Yeah, so I think Malachi... I I think Malachi Black is winning that match, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he should. He should win that match. So yeah, because that puts that puts one member from Death Triangle and one member from House of Black in this match as well. Like that makes the most sense to me because Pac's in this match. Mm-hmm. Um, and that being said, I'm actually taking Malachi Black to win the title. See, I was thinking Miro, and then I was thinking, yeah, Miro, Miro. And then I was like, no, I don't. I think yeah, either Death Triangle or House of Black, one of them should hold the title. Um, Agreed. I went with Pac. Pack's, okay. Pack's it. Okay. And I'm going Malachi. I like it. I like how the uh, the difference there. I like that a lot. Uh, next up, we have, as we mentioned earlier, the AEW women's title on the line. Thunder Rosa defending against Tony Storm. Who are you taking to win this? Um, I'm going with my heart, and I'm saying Tony Storm. I'm going with my head, and I'm saying Thunder Rosa. <laughs> but see, she put out that thing last week uh, by, what is it, nice now we're going to start getting better, this tweet. It yeah. was basically sort of like a side acknowledgement that, yeah, she has been an asshole. Um, Pretty much. So, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, oh, come on, take the battle for Rosa, please. I mean, I, 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 my heart wants Tony Storm to win as well. I want her to win the title. 
But I do think Thunder Rosa is going to win. I do think that's going to happen. Okay. Uh, next up, we have a three-way dance for both the Ring of Honor and IWGP Tag Team titles. So both are going to be on the line here. FTR puts the ROH titles on the line against the United Empires, Great O'Conn and Jeff Cobb, who are the current IWGP Tag Champions. And the other side of this is Rapunky Vice, Rocky Romero and Trent Beretta. Okay. I am going to say United Empire are going to win this match. Great O'Connor and Jeff Cobb. Okay. Um, again, I don't know whether I'm going with my heart or whether I'm going with the fact that I'm going with FTR, basically. I mean, they're the ring, the ring of honor champions, aren't they? So I they don't are. know whether United Empire are sticking around to be on Ring of Honor or whether uh, FTR are finally going to get a chance to go over and do some stuff in Japan. I think that makes more sense. See, stuff. I think them losing... I think them losing and then going to Japan for revenge is going to be the storyline. Okay. See, I don't, I don't hate that either way, but um, yeah, I'm going with FTR. I like it. I almost went with FTR, but then I thought of United Empire probably. There, there's going to be some New Japan guys that win here, and I think they make the most sense to be one of them that actually does win. Yeah. See, I went down, I went down the whole card after I made my predictions, and I kind, I think I evenly split it um, in the same like thought process that you've got going on. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, next up, we have a trios match between Chris Jericho, Sammy Guevara, and Minoru Suzuki taking on Eddie Kingston, Wheeler Yuta, and Shota Yumino. And Shota Yumino is the son of legendary New Japan referee Red Shoes, who you may have heard of before. Okay. You may have heard, just heard him called Red Shoes. But uh, he is the son of him and has been kind of, you know, he's a young lion over in New Japan, which is basically like a rookie. Um, he's been kind of being showcased more and more. So it'll be exciting to see him on this show. Who are you taking the win this one? Uh, the Jericho Appreciation Society. More, yeah, the JSA and Minoru Suzuki. <laughs> Me too. I'm going with them. That makes the most sense. So would you class this, which class, which team would you class as the New Japan team? And which team would you class as the AEW team? <sighs> um... I think I would have to go with Jericho as the AEW team. Okay. Because only and, and only because Wheeler Yuta just spent some time over in New Japan in the in the best of the Super Juniors tournament. So there's two theoretical quote unquote New Japan guys on one side and, and only one on the other. But Jericho's been in New Japan and Suki's from New, he has. New Japan. He has. He has. Yeah, Jericho's been there for many years, but not currently. Wheeler Yuta was still just currently, so Okay, fair, fair. So I kind of this went is a, this is definitely a mix a mix between the two yeah, promotions yeah. though, for sure. I kinda of didn't count this into my, my AEW's title and my NJ's title. I kind of left this as a neutral both teams are both teams sort of thing. Yeah, basically. That's basically what it comes down to. Uh, next up, we have the IWGP US title on the line as Will Ospreay defends against Orange Cassidy. Who are you going with this one? Uh, I don't think there's any doubt that uh, Will Ospreay will come out on top on this one. Agreed. I'm also going Will Ospreay here. There's no way he's losing that title yet. I mean, he just got it not that long ago, and even still, he wouldn't lose it here. Even if he's had it for months, he wouldn't lose it here. Yeah. He hasn't even got the belt yet, has he? I don't think so. <laughs> so what if he didn't have the belt? Yeah, I don't think so, because he's, he's just been walking around with the Rev Pro heavyweight title, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. It's just a flash off. Awesome. Which is a, a promo, a promotion that you should be familiar with over there in the UK. Yeah, yeah. It's one of the bigger indie promotions, but it's still very much an indie promotion. Yep, agreed. And that, I believe, are the six matches that we know about so far, right? Like, we don't know much. Um, Apart from the main event. Outside of... The main event, which I did not list in the list, but that's okay. 
that is John Moxley taking on Hiroshi Tanahashi for the interim AEW world title. And for this one, I am going to go with, even though I really, really want Hiroshi Tanahashi to win, I'm going to go with John Moxley. Yeah, I think um, I think the signs are pointing to John Moxley. To be fair, uh, I saw someone comment that like you don't want your first championship win to be an interim championship win, uh, right? And then John Moxley's had it before, hasn't he? And when he had it, there was we were like pandemic era, so he never really had it in front of the crowds. So it does make sense to kind of give it to him. Um, but then that could lead to like the Blackpool Combat Club splitting up in six months and us getting Mox versus Daniel Bryan um, for the title. Yeah. Absolutely, before CM Punk makes his return, right? Like, that's definitely something we could see. Absolutely. CM Punk. Which would be um, a great match. Omega come back on the same day, and then we have a face-off for all four of them. Ooh, that'd be amazing. Right? That'd be fucking amazing. I'd be okay with that. <laughs> oh, I'll allow it. All right, so those are the six matches we know about, and then we have two that are basically, theoretically, likely to happen, but not confirmed yet. We're going to assume these matches are going to get confirmed and make predictions for them, just in case they do. The first one is Brian Danielson taking on Zack Sabre Jr. Who are you going to go with this one, if it happens? Um, so if it happens, uh, just uh, just to keep the AEW and JPW numbers equal, I went with Zack Sabre Jr. And I'm going with Daniel Bri- or Brian Danielson. I almost pulled a seven, called him Daniel Bryan. But I'm going to go with Brian Danielson if this match actually happens. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. But if it does happen, like there's not much time to build to it, is there? If it's kind of it's going to be a no, rough thing. No, it, it would be a rough thing, but I don't think that would matter because the actual match when it takes place would overshadow the build anyway. Okay. Like if they give us this match, it's going to be incredible. I promise. <laughs> Brian, promise. I promise it'll be incredible if it happens. And then the other match where you're going to predict because it's likely to happen, but maybe not with these competitors. We will have an IWGP world title match on the show. Jay White will be defending against somebody. I'm going to assume it's going to be a triple threat match between him, Hangman, Adam Page, and Adam Cole. Um, But it could be Jay White defending against somebody else. I don't know because he said he would pick his own opponent. We're just going to assume it's going to be these three guys. Either way, whoever it is, I'm picking Jay White to retain. Yeah, he's another one who's only just got his title and he's only just beat a card for it, so there's no way he's dropping it now. Right, so it doesn't really matter who he faces, he will win, but I would I would like to see this triple threat match. I think that'd be fun. I think that'd be a fun match. Yeah. So, that's what we're predicting for Forbidden Door. There will likely be several matches confirmed this week on AEW content, building up to Forbidden Door this weekend. Uh, we'll be in Discord. Well, not Sev. Sev's got to work, so he won't be chatting live, but... You can chat live with myself, maybe Sean, maybe Dan, maybe Jeff. Guys, if you're not in Discord, jump in. We'll be chatting live during Forbidden Door this Sunday night. It'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, come on, come on, jump in the Discord and blow up my notifications so that when I wake up in the morning, I get spoiled on everything. Yeah, you get salty that you weren't there. Yeah. (laughs) Just got to quit your job and start watching wrestling all the time. Wait, if it paid the bills, if it paid the bills. All right, well, before we get on out of here, let's hit the gong. We do have to do some burial ground stuff. Last week, I sent the entire women's division and <laughs> uh, and and Kyle O'Reilly down to the burial ground. Um, I No, wait, not down. I sent Kyle O'Reilly up. Not, I, I didn't mean down. Kyle O'Reilly came up from the burial ground, even though I don't think he'd ever been in the burial ground in the women's division down. But uh, this week, Sev, the choice falls to you. Who you sending down and who's coming up from the burial ground? So this week, you, you last week you sent down a, a division. This week I'm sending down an entire country because a bear country are going down this week. 
<laughs> okay, I like that. Um, and then is 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 Leon, is Leon Ruff included in that since he's a member of Bear Country now? Yeah, wasn't that his like Dynamite debut? Was that his AEW debut? Uh, yeah, he's a citizen of Bear Country. Yeah, so he came in, got squashed, and he went back down. Um, yeah, so Leon Ruff's in there as well. And then coming up this week, just because he's getting some storyline, it's going to be Christian. Okay, I like it. I like the choices. I like Christian specifically. He's definitely going to be a fun storyline to follow along with him and Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. Like, that should have some good moments throughout. Yeah, it'd be nice to see him in some matches. Um, and I guess once this feeds over with Jungle Boy, then he'll probably wrestle some other people. Wouldn't it just be nice to see, to be fair? So. Yeah, agreed. I absolutely agree. All right, good burial ground. The country of bear going down. <laughs> and the... Uh... <laughs> Coming up is Christian Cage. I like that a lot. I do. Good choices this week. Good choices. But Sev, I unfortunately think that's going to bring us to the close of the show this week, unless you have anything else you want to mention before we get on out of here. No, let's get out of here. All right. Well, we do want to thank you for sticking with us and listening to another episode of Blood and Destroyers and all elite wrestling podcasts made possible, of course, by RPGera.com. Want to help us and grow the show? Subscribe and spread the word. Details on ways to do just that can be found in the show notes on whichever podcast app you've chosen to listen to us on. And remember, in those show notes will be a link to the aforementioned Discord server. Click it, join it, and interact with us. Taking us out as usual is going to be theme song of the week. Last week, Sev, you went rightfully so with the United Empires theme and this week I'm gonna go with a fun theme because I really liked it and I don't remember her using it before when we saw her I'm gonna go with Willow Nightingale I knew you were gonna pick this one Brian it's what I would have picked as well so yeah this is a good theme it's it's a ring of honor theme music it's called hip twitch okay which is a perfect name for this for this theme so we're gonna close out with hip twitch Willow Nightingale's theme music now hit the music music